Hello, and welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 35. This week, we are talking about the nature of truth and testimony in the Gospel of John. Brian shares the necessary components of testimony and how testimony is an adequate means of coming to knowledge. This conversation leads us into next week's episode as well, where we discuss Francis Schaeffer's book, The God Who Was There. Before we get started, if you're enjoying the podcast, would you mind leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a review on Facebook? If that's not your thing, would you mind sharing the post about this episode or another episode you've enjoyed on Facebook or just tell a friend? That works as well. We'd love to expand our audience. All right, let's jump into this episode looking at testimony in the Gospel of John. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Brian. How are you well. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm really good. We had It was a great day today. It's a little cold here yeah, in Indianapolis. Is it a little cold? Yeah, it's like change of seasons. Yes. Well, it was a very special day in our oh, yeah. It was the first day of the season that we have put a fire in oh, the fireplace. Nice. We have a fireplace insert. Yeah, and it was, I like a fire, pl- fire in a fireplace. That's the best place for a fire in a home. <laughs> it's cozy. It's cozy. It's warm. It is cozy. It is warm. And it doesn't burn on the house like you <laughs> fall, said you, you know, know fall is the best place for fall it. is one of my favorite seasons i think it's you know i like the change i like i'm starting uh, today i was as i was driving uh i was looking at all the leaves changing colors and really enjoying that so it was nice yeah i was enjoying that until i looked back and there was a slight breeze <laughs> and like 90 pounds of leaves fell in my backyard well, so it's part of the joys of i mean it's beautiful yes but uh i have a lot of yard cleanup to yeah. do here so anyway well we're back here in the yeah. Yeah, we are. Very nice. Yes. No food to talk about today. Well, I, I have water. I was at Busy Corner for lunch, which you've been to. Ooh. It's it's a nice place. And and maybe we can get a sponsorship. It's in Goodfield, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> the Busy Corner. I bet you they've been hankering for a podcast sponsorship. They're busy all the it time. It's a great place. In fact, it was funny because I was waiting in line uh, to, to get seated and I heard the people in front of him talking, and the one guy's like, I've been by here a million times, and there's always cars in the lot I've never been before. But uh, the other guy's like, yeah, it's really good. So, yeah. It's the pie, it's, man. The pie. It, that's what it's all about. Although I had the I had the chicken fried chicken special today. It was very good. Oh, it was a special. It was like a quarter of a chicken It was two pieces. So I got the white, which is a breast and a wing, and uh, comes with mashed potatoes, mixed vegetables, and a salad of your choice. Oh, of course, and a salad with the popular lettuce salad with blue cheese dressing. So, <laughs> classic. So, we do have I food have to leftovers. talk about. In the yes, we do have food to talk about. Yes. So, uh, I told our listeners yeah. last week that we're going to talk about like the reasonableness yeah. of faith. And as uh, we were going to talk about Francis Schaefer's book here in a yeah. little bit, but we thought before we even jumped into that, we should talk about something else. What are we going to talk about? I mean, <laughs> well, it kind of goes along with it. It does. It's yeah. a two part. So, so. You know, I spent. We're going back to the Gospel of John today. You know, we've we've. I, I've been <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> I, I try not to just be focused on the Gospel of John, but you know, I've spent a lot of time in it. And one of the things that I've spent the most time studying in the Gospel of John is about testimony, testimony in the Gospel of John. And uh, the okay. interesting thing, the reason I thought this would be useful for us to talk about in relationship to this idea is. It's all related to the way that we come to know things. Um, I'm gonna, you ready ready for me to lay a fancy word on you, Ryan? I, I know you know this word, but yes, uh, sure. We're talking about today epistemology, 
And oh, <laughs> epistemology. epistemology. I like that. Well, word. It, it's a cool word. It's it's how we come to know things, and you mm-hmm. know, it's a kind of a philosophical thing. Like you, you, we don't often stop to think about why, when we say we know something, why we can say we know it. What what constitutes knowledge is really what it's about. And I think that the Gospel of John is very concerned with this idea of knowing. In fact, uh, you know, there's some there's some ways in which um, it, it's very clear that the author is concerned that the people to whom he's writing understand what they know and or, or know what they're reading, and so or the yeah. truthfulness of it. And, and let me ask you this: like with epistemology, yeah. even if you've never heard that word, yeah. we all have like a framework that we're working in in yeah. epistemology. That means like everything that we believe, there's like a reason we believe. Like if I sit down in a chair, yeah. I think it's going to hold me up. Yeah, okay. Or, I, I don't know. Like I'm just, I'm just, yeah. we all have there's, a, 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 there's three words. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. There's, this is good. This is, this is exactly. And here's the way I would say it. I should have probably introduced this better. There are three words that we use on a regular basis that are, that are tied up in this idea. And you mentioned a couple of them just then. One of them is belief, okay? Mm-hmm. One of them is knowledge, and one of them is mm-hmm. truth. How are those How are those concepts related, I think, is part of what we're thinking about. Uh, when you say, I know this to be a fact, how did you come to that position of, of knowing? And, and here's another thing. You said you believe certain things. What's the relationship between belief and, and knowledge? And people have been talking about this for a long time, way back to the Greek philosophers. Uh, Aristotle was talking about this stuff, the relationship between knowledge and um, uh, belief. And then the the other thing is this, truth, which is very important to the Gospel of John also. You can think of a couple of examples where truth comes in. And what, what do we mean by truth uh, philosophically? And you know, here's the thing I'll, I'll say, and this is what when we're going to talk about Schaefer's book, He's going to say that truth has really kind of changed its meaning over time. What we mean when we say truth, um, it shouldn't have in some ways. Is what he's going to is the point he's going to. It sent us down a bad path. That's, that, what that's he his comes point. To, the yes. point that he's going to make is when we use the word truth today, it's not the same thing that, for example, Jesus meant when he talked about truth. And so, I think it's very central to to who we are as Christians. It's very central to our beliefs. You know, there's that word again. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that, that was kind of what I was interested in when I was working on a PhD in the gospel of John and thinking about testimony. Uh, let, let me, sh- it, 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 I'm, ahead, I'm no, sorry. No. I just want to keep like refining more. So when you say testimony uh-huh. in the gospel of John, you're talking about like the, when the word testimony is like yeah. John's uh, uh, relating to testimony. Yeah. So here's the, here's the interesting thing. There are three places in the gospel of John, three places that the author makes a point to say that I was there and I saw these things for myself. Three different places. I'm going to okay. show you where they are in just a minute if you want, if you quit yep. interrupting me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, I'm just kidding, Ryan. It's a good thing we're not in the same yeah, room right kidding, now. Ryan. Yeah, he's like, cut, cut it off. Um, yeah, I'm out of so, so what I would say, these are examples of what, what we would refer to as eyewitness testimony. Now, to be clear, the word eyewitness never occurs. There's a Greek word for for uh, eyewitness. It's uh, atoptes. It's a fine word. That word never occurs in the Gospel of John. But there are three times that he makes it clear that he was present, the author was present, in order to see the things that he's 
speaking about. And and so he uses this word testimony. I'm going to show you here these three passages, first of all, and then I'll let's talk about witness and testimony a little bit more. Now, the Gospel of Luke uses the word autoptes. You might remember that. Uh, do you remember where Luke talks about that? I know. In the, <laughs> in, the, in the prologue, what we call the prologue of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, four he says that... Uh, as you know, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I, we, I wasn't planning on doing this, but but uh, as many others have taken up to draw up an account of these things, uh, we thought we would too put these things in order. The things that we have heard from eyewitnesses, there's that word, and ministers mm-hmm. of the word. Uh, and so he talks about those that he has specifically talked to that have seen these things. And I, th- I think we talked about this before, that there's a couple of places where Luke includes material that is unique to him. Uh, one of them is Luke 24, where we have the two on the road to Emmaus, and I, I would make the case that he probably talked to the person. Another is the birth narrative, and some of the things that he says about Mary that we have nowhere else, the, well, the Magnificat, for example, you know, some of the things that she she says and that she's thinking, uh, we have nowhere mm-hmm. else in Scripture, and it makes you wonder, is he is she one of the eyewitnesses that he's talking about there in that place? At least it makes me wonder that. So... The Gospel of John never uses the word autoptes, but look at John 1.14, for example. I know I told you I was going to start with 21, but look at 1.14, first of all. You want to read that right. for me, or you want me to, yes, to get I'm, it? Yes, I'm there. Okay. I'm, I'm, and I'll, I'll look at the second one. Uh, so this is the kind of the end of, the, of what we call the prologue of the Gospel of John. Go ahead. So John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, what your translation there translated as seen is sometimes translated as beheld. It's not the normal word for seeing. Uh, And so some people have said, well, this is, again, we talked about this before. Some people want to spiritualize the Gospel of John uh, to say that it's really, he's really making theological points and not historical points at all. But do you see what he says? We have seen... Uh, his, glory. his glory, and uh, and so it talks about this idea, and and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say this now. I may repeat myself later, but in the Gospel of John, the words for seeing and knowing are frequently in the plural. Uh, they frequently are hmm. in that we instead of I have seen, we have seen. Seen. Um, the second one is in chapter 19, verse 35. Now, this is the account of Jesus' crucifixion. And there's a couple of really interesting things. We've talked before about the crurifragium, the breaking of the legs on the cross. We talked about the archaeology, for example, the Gospel of John. Uh, there you have this idea that the thieves on either, the thieves and the robber on either side of Jesus' legs were broken, but not one bone of his body was broken. And, and mm-hmm. so it says instead what happens, this is verse 34, chapter 19, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it, this is verse 35, the man who saw it or the one who's seen it has given testimony. You see that word? And Mm -hmm. his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth. There's the word truth. And he testifies so that you may also believe. Those three words we talked about, in fact, testimony and and truth and belief are all there contained in that that idea. And in fact, knowledge, the word for knowing is there as well. So you, you get what I'm saying? I've always said that John is very concerned with epistemology. He wants to make sure not only that you believe things, but you have a solid foundation for your belief. You know why you believe. 
uh, is kind of his purpose. Now, here's one of the questions. So we have it at the very beginning. That makes sense that we would have at the very beginning, the author saying, what I'm about to tell you are things that I have seen for myself. But then we go mm-hmm. a long way in the Gospel of John until we get to chapter 19, and then all of a sudden, again, the author There's another person. inserts themselves into the narrative and says, the one who was there has seen these things and testifies to them, right? And so one mm-hmm. of the questions we have is, why here? Why in this particular place? And I study this question a lot, probably more than anybody else. I should have started off by saying this. I mentioned I was working on a PhD thesis on this. I never completed it, but I was working on a PhD thesis on this. And I always say the most dangerous question in the world to ask is what's your thesis on, right? Or your dissertation on, because I can talk about this much more than you care to hear about or any of our listeners care to hear about. That's good, right? Yes. But but this idea keep it short this is why i interrupt you <laughs> this idea fair point this idea of right here um probably has to do something with the unexpected nature of this of this event now it could be that it, it could be testifying to the fact that he was really dead i think it may be that this idea of blood the flow of blood and water was an unexpected thing um mm. now there's lots of different opinions on this lots of different debate but you might remember uh, one of the key verses in chapter 7 of the Gospel of John. Uh, we've talked about this before, that um, Jesus says from within him will flow living water. And so I think right. this this idea of the disciple testifying that I saw blood and water flow from his side is is a significant it has it has theological import but i believe that he is saying i saw this myself this is not some fabrication this is something that i have seen and i want you to know so it. you think yeah so you think that's more uh, i don't know maybe they're both just important but like not that he that jesus didn't have his legs broken it, but also the blood and it water? could be part of that too there's lots of different different opinions but yeah that he that he was really dead that he he did not um you know, he have a bone yeah, broken, which which he, he gives a quotation of a scripture about. Obviously, quotes um, mm-hmm. oh, what is it? Deuteronomy eighteen eighteen or Exodus Exodus eighteen eighteen is what he quotes there. Sorry. Yeah. So, what do you think? Like the man who saw it is given to us to me, yeah. and his testimony is true. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think that's about? Like, the, the need to tag on to the end of that that his testimony so, is true. That to me, that seems like a weird yeah. tag along. Like it could be. Well, so <laughs> just, I don't know. I think it has, to, why don't you just say, this is my testimony. We're actually going to talk about this quite a bit, but I think it's, it's, he's talking about true testimony. What is it? What is it to have true testimony? And I, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what I understand in three parts of a true witness, true mm-hmm. testifier. Uh, I think he's setting himself up as someone who can be trusted and is is reliable. Uh, there have been some, and I think this is more of a modern idea, though. There have been some who said, "Well, it's almost like he's, you know, what is it? You protest too much. You know, it's like you can believe. You <laughs> yes. know, it's like when the kid, you know, I know that your kids. Oh, and it's and I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you the yes. truth, right? So yeah, uh, or or it it can be a verbal tick sometimes, but when somebody says, "Well, I'm going to be honest with you," I always wonder. So up till now, do you lie the rest? <laughs> do you lie the rest of the time? If I'm being honest, uh, well, yes, up to now, everything I've that. said is a lie, and now I'm going to tell you the truth. So here's the third time we see eyewitness testimony in the Gospel of John, very end of the Gospel. Again, very beginning of a book, very end of a book. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, so th- this account, you might remember. Uh, is where the beloved disciple is following Jesus, and Peter turns around and says, 
um, what about him? You know, because Jesus has just testified that, or has uh, prophesied that Peter is going to die from crucifixion. And so Peter turns around and looks at the beloved disciples and says, what about him? And Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. And um, the gospel of John goes on and says something to the effect of, uh, you know, uh, because of this, people began to spread the 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 idea that this disciple would never die, but that wasn't the point. But then in verse 24, it says this. This is the John chapter 21, verse 24. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. So you see, he's claiming to be the author here. The beloved disciple mm-hmm. is claiming to be the author, and he testifies to these things. We know, there's that plural knowing, we know that his testimony is true. There again, is you could ask that same question there. And I think, again, right, exactly. the reason he's giving it is to give veracity. He's saying, you know, you can trust the things that I have said to you. Um. Interesting. Yeah, and and let me go ahead and say this. So so here I believe that the author identifies himself as the beloved disciple. And that hasn't happened at this point. We actually should probably do a whole different episode on the beloved disciple. Beloved disciple. But I'm going to yeah. tell you I'll go ahead and give away the ending of that episode now. So so if you're a faithful listener, you don't you, you don't have to you, wait. Yeah. But the beloved disciple occurs, and and there's this. Sometimes it's called the other disciple, or there's this unnamed disciple that that appears at certain times in the Gospel of John as a character and the and when i say character you understand i, I believe he's a real person but it, in when we think right. about the narrative you know i i do the story yeah, when you think about the mm-hmm. story he occurs as a character and he occurs at times where you might wonder how the author got access to the to the information that he's sharing mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying right there's a, there's an inside scoop and here. so i think the beloved disciple serves this kind of this kind of epistemological purpose really throughout the gospel when somebody might go now how did he know that he's he's saying i was there so i'll give you one example the beloved disciple is mentioned um when jesus is on trial and it says that he was known to the uh to to the guard and was allowed into the inner courtyard so he's able to to see the events of jesus trial right there and and so there's Mm -hmm. there's an example um there, okay. there are other places that he's mentioned as well, but that's that's just one that came to mind. So I want you to look at one more thing on this verse 24 before we leave. This is chapter 21, verse 24 again. I'm going to read it one more time. This is the disciple who testifies. Now that is uh, a verb, this idea of testimony is what we're really talking about today. That's the verb form of this word for for idea of, of, of seeing, and we'll talk more about what it means in just a minute. Um, I'll give you the Greek here is martyreo, and I'll, I'll tell you why that's significant in just a minute. And okay. it says he wrote these down, and we know that his testimony, that's the noun form. So uh, testify is the verb form, martyreo. Mm-hmm. Testimony is the noun form, that's martyria. Um, and, and we find both of these things here in this one verse. Now, the reason I wanted to point to that is just to kind of show you how significant this idea of of uh, testimony is in the Gospel of John. That word martyria or, or mar- martyreo, the the idea of the one who is the witness is mar- mar- martyr, or, or it could be martus. And that's where we get okay, our... Okay, wait. That's where we get you're, our... You're losing me here. That's where we get our word martyr. That's the only reason okay. I was going to point that out, is, okay. is the idea of witnessing or testimony is is becomes the idea of martyr. And when we talk about a martyr, we're talking about somebody who dies 
for their faith. Mm -hmm. In the book of Revelation, martyrs are a big deal. Uh, and it's those who've held to the testimony, those who who have refused to um, recant, if you will, their testimony, and as a result, they've they've died. So that's it, it. Martyr, not in the Gospel of John, but later comes to mean somebody who dies for their faith. But it, so testimony and martyrdom go hand martyr in hand go really close because okay. because they've remained true to their testimony. Now. Before we get too far, yeah. So the the verb form martyrell, and, and I always talk about when we're when we're doing Bible study, we look at words that are used frequently by a by an author in order to understand a theme, right? So okay. the word martyrell, and that you could do this in your blue letter Bible, the online if you want to do that, or you can do this in uh, in a um, using a Strong's concordance if you want to do it that way. Um, the verb form of martyrell, when we look at the Gospels. Uh, it occurs one time in the Gospel of Matthew, never occurs in the Gospel of Mark, it occurs one time in the Gospel of Luke, and it occurs 32 times in the Gospel of John. <laughs> a little bit of a uptick in the words usage. So here. you see what I'm saying? It's it's clearly an important theme. When we get to the noun form, martyria, the word testimony, that occurs three times in the Gospel of Mark, never occurs in Matthew, occurs one time in Luke, 14 times in John. So between wow. between the verb form and the noun form, it occurs 46, 47 times in the Gospel of John that we have some form of this verb or this word to, uh, to testify or testimony, something to that effect. And you think that that is because John is really trying to drive home the point that that this like this was seen, yes, I think and so, sp and spoken about, yeah. like that that this is. Yeah. Okay. So he, yeah, and that's here's what I think he's gonna, go he's saying is that testimony is a valid means to knowledge. I think that's the central theme to the Gospel of John, that you mm -hmm. can come to know thing something by testifying. L let me say this before I get too much too much further. In English, we use two different word groups to talk about what is one word group in in uh, Greek, and so we're going to use the words witness and testimony kind of in, in uh, uh, interchangeably. Uh, to witness something or to testify to something would be the same word in Greek, and so yeah, he's he's saying this is this is a valid means to come to knowledge, and, and this is where this relates to this idea of of how we come to knowledge is is what I would say epistemology. Yeah. So. Um, any questions to this point? I, I'll, I'll say something here. <laughs> I know, I know. No, I, you know, we're, we're in the deep no, end. No, this is good. We're in the deep end. No, but th this is good. You know that that. You know, just a recap that testimony, uh -huh. and I think maybe sometimes testimony gets a bad rap for us. Yes. Or you know, uh -huh. we look at it with suspicion uh, sometimes. But that testimony in the Gospel of John is a valid way to know something is true. I would say it is a valid means to know something. Inside or outside of the Gospel of John, let me ask. Right. You, let, let's talk. Let's talk just about epistemology for just a minute. And again, I said we don't often think about how we come to know something. How you can say, mm -hmm. what what would be something you say you would know, Ryan? Give me an example. Of something you know. I know with certainty that I, for certainty. Okay. Oh gosh, this is going to get very philosophical. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I. I am here. I am. I am having this conversation. I'm saying these words. Okay. So you can know something about yourself. And that's, I can, there was a pretty famous philosopher named Descartes who's, who, who was trying to say, what can I get to this, the basis of all uh -huh. knowledge? 
And he, he said this very famous thing, I think, therefore I am, right? That, mm-hmm. um, that, but it, didn't he also say, like, at some point, we didn't know if we were just like a brain in a jar sitting somewhere? <laughs> I don't remember that, but the Cartesian dream or something. Yeah, but, uh, I think there's some problems with his philosophy, but, but, uh, there's a fallacy to it, but because for one thing, we're not in isolation, we're in community. But, but beside that, I mean, let's, let's not get too far down that road. <laughs> yes. But, what we get is there are some people who will say, I can only know those things that are directly accessible to my senses. And that's kind of what you're saying. I can only know things that my hands have touched or uh, that maybe sounds like a character in the Gospel of John, you know, things that I have seen for myself or that my hands have touched or that I have felt myself. You know, those are those are the only things that I can truly call knowledge. Now, here's what I would say. If that is true, uh, and, and and technically this is kind of called solipsism. If that is true, there's a very limited set of things that we can say that we know. Right. Um, and yet there are all kinds of other things that we call knowledge. Uh, I, I, before we uh, started the podcast, I said, do you, you know, you've never been to Kenya, but you would say, you know, that it exists. Uh, right. And you know that it exists because you have been told about it. Maybe you've met somebody who's been there, right, and has told you about it. Um, or we might say things like, um, you know, you, now you might say, I've seen Jupiter in a telescope or whatever, but I know there's a planet called Jupiter. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that we have been taught uh, by someone else that we've been told. We've been, <clears throat> and that's where testimony comes in, I think. Uh, it's been testified to us yes. that this is yeah. a reality. Yeah, we have been we have been given testimony about the reality of of something, and so so I think that's that's why where this becomes pretty important in in the Gospel of John. Then, so when you think philosophically about the nature of testimony, and I would say that something like ninety percent of what we know or more has been has come from testimony, things that you would call knowledge. Now. I would say it's changed a little bit in this modern era because we have things like um, uh, cameras and we have things like uh, uh, you know video cameras and that kind of you know that's what what's what you do for a living right uh, mm-hmm. and of course now we've entered a very interesting place because With we, deep fakes. we have these deep fakes mm-hmm. and and that's scary stuff can, can your eyes believe what what they see you know even if mm-hmm. you see for yourself, can you believe this to be true? So you, you can see, I think it's an important, I think it's an important thing for us to talk about and to think about when I say I believe something, what do I mean by that? Why do I believe it? When I say I know something, why can I say I know something? And, and how do I come to that knowledge? When I say something is truth, you know, what's the relationship b- between belief and truth, for example? Uh, lot, lots of other things to go along with this as well. Comments to that point <laughs> questions <laughs> well i mean i have a lot of things you know i'm sure we could talk about but probably not appropriate i mean it's appropriate for the podcast sure. but we would go down rabbit trails okay. for well, ad nauseum well, let me talk about the nate what i believe to be or i understand to be the nature of testimony so there, there's a lot of people who've written about this <clears throat> a couple of the big ones that were very influential on me uh was there was a there's a philosopher by the name of robert audi and he talks about testimony as a valid means to coming to to knowledge. Uh, his book's called Epistemology. And then, um, interestingly enough, and then there's another guy named C.A.J. Cody that was very influential with me in this. But I would say, just to 
simplified as much as we can, there are three parts to 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 a, a true witness to to a valid testimony. Uh, okay. The first is if you're going to witness something, um, if you're going to testify to something, you have to have access to that event. You you have to have seen it. Okay. So um, let's use just a common example today where we might use the word witness. Let's say you're out and about in in Indianapolis there. And uh, you see a traffic accident, Ryan. Um, you, you you are there and you see it for yourself. You might be called into a court of law in order to give testimony, right? And you're sworn in and you're sworn to tell the truth, nothing but the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so you you testify to that. Now, here's an interesting part of this, and I didn't really mean to talk about this, but there have been studies done on eyewitness testimony and and the fact that people even even different people from different vantage points can have vastly different uh perceptions of what they have seen uh, and yeah. so you might have testimony so for one of the one of the common examples is like when you see a traffic accident and then later you're asked about the color of the car th- there might be two different answers given now here's what I would say in regard to that though is what you're not denying is the central point that there was an accident, right? That right. sometimes these very traumatic things, uh, we we don't we don't get everything else around it, but we certainly remember the the primary thing that we saw, right? The, yeah, is this kind of like the uh, like the tunnel vision? You know, like I think you so. see like a police officer that's like something's happening and they can't see peripherally right. what's happening, but they remember certain. They can only see a certain portion they can't because your attention process your attention is drawn to that i think and that's you you know it's a traumatic thing sometimes and that's what you're you're focused on but i think it's related to that so yeah i'm I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of my concerns as we talk about this is like you know when i said like testimony can kind of have a bad rap but sometimes you know people get put on a stand and they're like false hey i saw this but they miss details. False perception and that kind of thing. But again, I don't think what's being denied is the primary, you know, the, that yes. And so we'll talk about, for example, Jesus' death, right? That that here is a, a person I knew being crucified is going to be something that's going to be remembered, right? That's going to be a central part of that. So, so eyewitness, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, have access to the events. They see the event. Yeah. The second thing mm-hmm. is now. Here's the interesting thing about testimony: is when you're a witness, uh, it also has to do with speech. So if you mm-hmm. testify, it's about something you're speaking. So you saw it, but you're also telling about it. So to be a true witness, uh, you can't keep it in, <laughs> right? It, right. It, it, to really be a witness, you have to speak about what you have seen. So that's where the the beloved disciple, for example, says, "I wrote these things down. You know, I'm, I'm telling you about the things that I saw." Well, I'll give you an example of John the Baptist a little bit later, and you'll see that same thing there with him. So it's not only perceiving it, but it's also then speaking about it. But here's the third thing that I think is interesting, and this was really from C. A. J. Cody that I got this. We need to adequately we, the person who's testifying has to be adequately able to understand the event. So I'll give you two examples. So we mentioned the car accident. Imagine if the person who was there was someone who came from a very primitive culture that had never seen an automobile before, mm. right? right? And that that the first time they ever saw an automobile, now that'd be pretty traumatic too, I guess, but they, they saw this accident. Now, if they were mm-hmm. called as a witness, they, they might have a difficult time explaining what it was that they actually saw. 
Cody used this example, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, he said, uh, if, if you have someone who's a trained anthropologist who understands a particular culture and you're there with that person, uh, in, in a, uh, how do I say this in a culture that is very different than yours. And you both see the same ceremony being performed, right? Okay. Now I could not trained as an anthropologist. I could tell kind of what I have seen, but an anthropologist who understood that culture and understood the significance of that ceremony would be able to give a better testimony regarding what, what, what he had seen. I might be able to say, well, you know, they took out this red yarn and they did this with it and, you know, they cut it and all this kind of stuff. I didn't know what it was about, but the person who'd studied that culture would have a, a better understanding. And we've all been probably in that kind of a, a set sitting or a situation. Sometimes we might be the, I'm going to use the term expert, right? Or the person who has uh, adequate knowledge in order to explain the event that we've seen. Other times we may be with someone who's the expert. Uh, have, have you ever been in that kind of situation where yeah. someone's able to explain? Where I'm not that. Well, I'm not the expert, right? <laughs> That's a lot of situations, <laughs> but you, like this, this is a podcast <laughs> that, where I am absolutely not the expert, but, but you get what I'm saying is sometimes you see something and you're like, you're like, I don't really understand everything that's going along. And then someone comes along and explains it to you. And you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. I get what, what was happening. We could probably all think of times where we've had that happen. So, John, I think, in, in his use of testimony is is making a point that a true witness has access to the events. I mentioned the beloved disciples, one of the ways that he makes that point. I was there. I saw these things for myself. Uh, also is willing to speak about it. Uh, let's actually look now at John chapter 1. Um, okay. This is John the Baptist. I interesting thing about it is John the Baptist is never called the Baptist in uh, in the Gospel of John. Uh, that title that's used uh, for him uh, doesn't ever occur, but what he's often referred to as is, is the one who is testifying. So look at verses six through eight here of John chapter okay. one. Um, so it talks, you know, we have this big opening, you know, where it says in the beginning, uh, the word was with God and the word was God, and the word came, uh, you know, in, in, and this idea that the light has shown in the darkness, the darkness will not overcome it. So go ahead and read verses 6 through 8 there for me, if you would. Yeah. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So isn't that interesting? He was he came as a, notice those two words that at the very beginning, he came as a witness to testify. So those, hmm. those are those two forms of that word, martyreo and martyria, right there side by side. is a very emphatic kind of statement. He came as a witness to testify. He came as a witness to witness is basically what he's saying, a testifier to testify, however you want to put that, so that through him all might believe. So this idea that you can come to true faith through the testimony of another. Uh, now, if you skip down, uh, to verse uh, down to let's go to verse thirty-two. There's other times that he's talked about testifying here. Uh, then John gave this testimony: I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Here's what's interesting: in the other Gospels, we all have this account of Jesus' baptism, right? Mm -hmm. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's told as a narrative. In the Gospel of John, it is told as testimony. Interesting. John okay. says, 
I saw, do you see what it says? I saw mm-hmm. the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, here's the, here's the idea that he's adequately able to explain this as well. The man on whom you see the spirit come down or remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So, so you see, see what I'm saying? He is yeah. the one who's, he's like that anthropologist, right? When I saw yeah. this happen, you know, the, the God, the one who'd sent, sent me to baptize had told me the one who you see doing this is going to be the one who baptizes with the Holy spirit. And then it says this in verse 34, I have seen, okay, there's that idea of having access to it. And I testify. That's the idea of speaking the truth that he has seen that this is God's chosen one. So it's interesting that that instead of telling it as a narrative, John chooses to tell it instead. The the author of the Gospel of John, who I believe is a different John than John the Baptist, but that's another story. Um, John, John, doctor, doctor. <laughs> that John chooses to, to give us this as testimony. And, and it kind of sets us up, I think, for the way that the rest of the Gospel unfolds in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm, you know, I'm really glad you're pointing this stuff I mean, I'm I'm glad you're always pointing <laughs> stuff out to us, right? Not just today, but just the, the thinking about the three other gospels as narrative, and this is a testimony. And um, to see, you know, it's easy to again. I say I've said this multiple times in this podcast to read, to to look at scripture and miss some of the the nuance and the change in that, and just the power of testimony yeah. here. And you know, seeing that this perspective from John, who's baptizing Jesus. You know, and I, I like the analogy the anthropologist that's helping yeah. us understand what's going on here, and that it is true. Like, right? Help us understand what just happened. Yeah, what, the significance, what, what the significance of it. You might say. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's just a thing that happens, and we don't really know. We have no way to right uh, interpret it. It's a foreign language. So, I would encourage you read through the Gospel of John with with kind of your your mindset on this idea of testimony, and you begin to see it everywhere. Not only in the word. Uh, the words testimony and witness and these kind of things, but also in the action itself. I think I've talked about this before. In John chapter 9, you have the blind man, and it, it's very interesting that he. this is the blind man that Jesus puts the mud on his eyes and sends him away to wash, so he's healed mm-hmm. at a distance. And I think that happens very intentionally because he has never seen Jesus, and yet he comes I- back— and I'm going to use the word he testifies about who Jesus is, about his identity. So the irony there I think John's getting at is here is a blind man who is a better witness to who Jesus is than the people who've seen him in themselves. And, of course, that's the one that ends in the gospel. In John 9 is where Jesus Jesus says, I came so the seeing will be blind and the blind will, or the, the blind will be seeing and the seeing will be blind. And the the Pharisees are like, oh, are we blind? And he's like, you know, you said it. So, so it's that kind of that kind of an idea that has to do with uh, testimony. So he's he's a genuine witness. He's a true witness without ever having seen Jesus. Is the irony there? I think. Wow. Going uh, on, it, so. And when you point that out, I mean, it makes the the rebuke all the more scathing. Exactly. Exactly. Here, I mean, all the more scathing to them of like, hey, this guy has never seen me. And You've yet, seen me. Right. Oh, my gosh. So here's... God, this is good. This is good. <laughs> Bringing it. Here's the last one, and, and, and this is really where I think testimony has to do with the, the purpose of the Gospel of John. So I, I call this... We can call this the purpose statement of the Gospel of John. It's John chapter 20, 30 through 31. It's a very famous passage. 
Uh, we've referred to it in various times throughout uh, throughout um, this podcast, I know. Uh, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. And we've talked about that, that, that they were there where they could see them, right? Jesus performed mm-hmm. many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he's saying these have been given so that you can come to this true faith. You have reason to believe. Reasonableness of faith, I think, is the words that you used uh, for kind of what we're talking about um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in these couple of podcasts here. So he says you know, this. Now, here's what's interesting is we often separate that out from what came before it, and I think it belongs with what came just before that. Do you remember what happens just before that purpose statement? Oh, the, that's Doubting Thomas. It's what we call Doubting Thomas. Now, I've said to you before, he shouldn't be called Doubting Thomas. He's Unbelieving Thomas. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the word for belief or faith is pistuo. That's the verb uh, to, to believe. And he is called, he, he, it says he is a pistuo, right? He's unbelieving. So mm-hmm. let's go back and let's read that, that passage and think about it a little bit. Because you might remember the, the thing that has happened is that um, Jesus appeared to the disciples, uh, but he was not present. Thomas was not present. Mm-hmm. And so uh, verse 24, for, yeah, this is John. Out, Chuck's, out getting a soda or something. What's that? When he, out getting a soda or something to drink. <laughs> well, oh, I have my stupid. opinions about it, but we can talk about that another time. John chapter 20, 24. Now Thomas, who's also called Didymus, which by the way means the twin, uh, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, what is that? Testimony. They they said, we were there, we saw the Lord, and now they're telling Thomas. So they are testifying to what they have mm-hmm. seen. Now, is that yes. an adequate reason to come to belief? I would say yes, okay? Mm-hmm. But here's what he says. He, he's like many people <laughs> today. He said, unless I see the nail parks in, in his hands, in other words, in, unless I see for myself with my own two eyes uh, and put my finger, unless I touch where the nails were and thrust is literally the word, my hand into his side, he, he, here's what he says. I will not believe, and, and in fact, it's an emphatic form. I will never believe is the way that I often translate this. Unless I can see it for myself, I will never believe. So that's an interesting kind of thought that here's kind of the way I explain it. If you're in a building, even if there's something, and fair enough, if you've seen Jesus die, to believe in the resurrection is a pretty remarkable thing, right? Mm -hmm. Resurrections are not something that we see every day. We're not used to the idea of resurrection. It's an unusual event. So what would be an unusual event to you, Ryan, today? An unusual event for me? Something that would be hard to believe. Uh, the <laughs> put sun you... coming up in the West. Okay, sun com- coming up in the West. I was going to use the example of unicorns. That's what I usually use. But let's say, let's say that you're in a building and a friend of yours comes in and says, you're not going to believe this, but I just saw the sun come up in the West. Okay, now... Knowing your friends like me, you, you, you're probably assuming they're they're making fun of you somehow or some, playing some kind of a trick. Yes. But imagine yes. if if a couple of your friends 
come and tell you the same thing. We, we have seen the sun rise in the West, or we've seen a unicorn, uh, mm-hmm. or three of your friends. Imagine if 10 of your closest friends come to you and say, we have seen the sun rise in the West. Okay, now that would be a very difficult thing to believe, but if these are 10 of your closest friends telling you this, and you and let's, for the sake of the argument, let's imagine that you know they're not pulling a trick on you. Okay. Okay. So that's the situation Thomas finds himself in here, right? 10 mm-hmm. of his closest friends that he spent the last however many years of his life, if we believe in a three-year ministry of Jesus, the last three years of his life with these guys traveling everywhere, sharing meals, you know, sleeping out in the open, you know, just, just being together for three years with Jesus and 10 of them. And, and again, they're, they're, they should, they should know Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, Oh, we mistook him for somebody else. These are people who've spent time with Jesus and they come and they tell him, we've seen him raised from the dead. And he says, I will never believe unless I see it for myself. Now here's the rest of the story. A week later, his disciples were in the, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. By the way, earlier it says that they were locked for fear of the Jews, um, of the Jewish leaders. Is how we understand it's Judaioi in the Gospel of John. Um, so Thomas not being with them actually says something about him. I think if the other ten are locked behind locked doors, but for fear of the Jewish leaders, and Thomas is out there. I think it's the same thing we saw earlier when when Jesus is going up to Jerusalem, and they're like, Jesus, if you go up to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you. And uh, Thomas says, well, we might as well go with him and 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 die, die with him. So it says a week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger in the nail marks in my hand. Uh, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and thrust it into my side. And then he says this, and he, this is the NIV translation, stop doubting and believe. Again, what he says is stop being disbelieving or stop unbelieving and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Then I want you to listen to what Jesus says. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So how can you Mm. believe without having seen testimony? Testimony. And then immediately we get 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciple, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe. So you see what's going on here is I think he's saying uh, Thomas had adequate reason to believe. And yet he said, I will not believe until I see myself. But then John, if you will, or the, the beloved disciple turns to the reader and says, but I have written these things. In other words, I've testified to these things so that you may believe, and by believing you may have a life in his name. He's saying you have adequate reason to trust the things that you've heard in this book. Um, and I think that's the reason this Thomas narrative, and it's only in this story is only in the Gospel of John. I think that's why we have uh, that story there in that place. And I think 30 and 31 should not be separated. Most most uh, modern translations will give you a paragraph break there. I don't, or, or a section break actually. Yep. And I don't mm-hmm. think it should be broken. I think it's a part of the same narrative. In fact, I could show you one earlier in the gospel of John where the same thing happens, um, where there is no break, almost exactly the same kind of a, of a thing. So 
Here's what I'm saying is that John is very concerned with what it means to come to true faith. He's concerned with what we call knowledge. And and I think what he's saying is that testimony is is a adequate means to come to knowledge. That's really the point that he's making with this theme. This is this is a central theme in the Gospel of John. Hmm. Interesting. You know, and, and I think this is you know, I think this is one of the questions, and I think you kind of alluded to this as like, you know, someone asks you, why do you believe? Yeah. You know, it's one of those questions. Well, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I know. I don't know. You know what right. I mean? Like it comes down to like, it's that foundation, uh, the epistemology. And John is saying here, like there is, these are eyewitness accounts. I've written them down. So you, you might have, yeah. um, know that you, you, you're not going to be Thomas. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to thrust your hand in his side, but all these things have been written. So you have a foundation for your belief. These things were seen by the people who were with him. These, these, uh, signs is what John calls them point to who who Jesus is they're they're recorded um I think that yeah I think that's what he's getting at really um uh, with this is there's there's really good reason for us to believe I believe it I think it was C.S. Lewis who said this that um well I know others have as well I I don't I'm not going to attribute to him I all things are, all kinds of things are falsely attributed to C.S. Lewis but but it's been pointed out before that you have these people who end up dying for their faith um uh, you know, we understand. You can see some examples of it in the Book of Acts, even. But we believe these these disciples here with Jesus gave their life for this, and they maintain this testimony to the very end. This is one of the things that John talks about in, in the Book of Revelation. And uh, so, what reason would they have not to to recant? You know, why would they continue to remain firmly? Um, adamant that these are the things that they saw for themselves. It's I think it's a good reason for us to believe the accounts that we have uh, in, in the Gospels. So one of the reasons, not the only reason, but I think it's a good reason for us to believe. Yeah, and, and I and I like that. Yes, absolutely. And I like the connection you made to the to martyr thing. I, I read a book recently about early church yeah. martyrs, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, they were given the opportunity to, you know, to recant what they were. And one of the stories was, this guy was older. Yeah. And he's like he was well loved, and like just say it. And he's yeah. like, no, 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 I will not. Yeah, you know. And then and he was killed for it. But then how that was a turning point for that city yeah. because people saw that, and he held on to his testimony right. of who Jesus was. Yeah. So I mean, I know that's a different. You were saying no, no, no. It's a good. Uh, it's a, a good example. Then, <laughs> and that's what the, this idea of the witnesses, the two witnesses in the Gospel of John, are the two two martyrs. I mean, they, and they're if you might if you remember the Book of Revelation, they're killed, uh, mm-hmm. their bodies lay in the streets, and people j- celebrate, and then they raise from the dead, and they you know they become examples of what it means that uh, that uh, they've they've remained true to their testimony. That's in the Book of Revelation. So, anyway, yeah. and and. Yeah, and and that testimony can equate to to truth, and you know, and truth can be sometimes we we talked about that, and we'll talk about that a little yeah. bit with Schaefer. That truth can be some, uh, it, it's becoming harder to know. Yeah, you e- know, or even Pilate, you know, says what is truth, and mm-hmm. you know, Jesus, of course, his statement is, "I am the way, the truth, and the life" to his to his disciples, and so I think that word truth is a very is a very important one. Yeah. All right. So so what. I'm, we're going to get down to his, you know, we okay. kind of rambled philosophically on this. Like, <laughs> so what? Like, well, I mean, it's, it, it, it you know, it's like, yeah. hey, let's do a 45 I, minute podcast and talk <laughs> about the nature of truth. I think that we often don't, don't think carefully about it's It's what you said. Why do we believe the things that we believe are true? Um, and, and I think examining that 
as Christians, there's good reason for us to believe. I think we could sometimes even be cowed uh, when when people begin to say, "Oh, you have no reason to believe the things that you believe," or you know that that um, uh, doubt is more reasonable than faith, or unbelief technically is more reasonable than than belief. Uh, I, I think there are good reasons, there are adequate reasons for us to believe. And I think when we really begin to think about the reason that we know anything. Um, we begin to see how dependent we are on on the testimony of others. You you mentioned history uh, before we we started the episode today. All and history is testimony, e- exactly. And and so that idea: how do we know I- anything about any historical figure? There's very little that we can show archaeologically, for example. But but we have um, you know the Thucydides. We have uh, Aristotle. Uh, Julius Caesar, of course, wrote um, uh, eyewitness accounts of of his wars and this kind of thing. So, so some of these early historians, uh, Josephus is another example. Uh, part of what I've looked at is is the way that they use testimony as well, and the way that they insert themselves into the narrative and these kind of things. And so, you know, it, it's a way that we uh, come to know. Uh, I, I'll say this that that. And we again, we can talk about this some later, but uh, this idea of having a radical how do I how do I put this a suspicion, a radical suspicion, and I'm not saying let's let's accept every testimony you know with with unquestioning, um, you know without without questioning it, but to be radically suspicious, I think puts us in a very difficult position to know anything. Uh, you know, when we begin to say, oh, you have to doubt everything you've ever been told, that puts you in a very untenable place. Uh, and, and so that's, that's, you know, part of this whole question about how we, how we come to this, this idea of not only faith, but also knowledge. Yeah. It, it's hard when you place a cynicism on everything you yeah, hear to exactly. like know anything. And then if you don't believe anything, or if you have, if you can't believe anything, anything is possible, and you create a whole nother yeah, and I, I <laughs> a think, whole nother thing. I think we live in a time, and, and there are things going on around us in the culture where we don't we don't think carefully enough about epistemology, about how we come to knowledge, uh, and I think it's it's important that we we begin to examine this and think about it a bit. Yeah, very good. Well, we well should, correction. You have waxed philosophical on some of the stuff, <laughs> and I've just kind of listened and asked some random questions. But this is a little bit more, I mean, uh, philosophical to think about the nature of truth. Sure. And that testimony in John is uh, the, the uh, can be a uh, accurate. I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying the right words. <laughs> That's fine. It's a foundation for truth. I think so. I think so. And, and knowledge. <clears throat> and knowledge. And Adequate what it means to come to knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And and I think you know we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Francis Schaeffer's book here in a little bit, and that talking about um, the the nature of knowledge there as yeah. well, and how do we know what what we know? What it's, we know. It's, it's it's all it all wraps up together anyway. So. <laughs> Well, Brian, thank you so much for thank sharing you, your information and uh, your knowledge on testimony in the Gospel of John. All and, right. And uh, we'll do it again soon, huh? Sounds good. I'll see you soon. All right. See you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are talking more about truth through the lens of Francis Schaeffer's book, The God Who Is There. Schaeffer helps us think about the consequences of separating ourselves from the concept of truth that is found in God. We hope you'll join us for that. You can find show notes, links, and more at thebiblebistro.com, as well as sign up for our email newsletter to stay in touch. 
You can find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. And as always, you can subscribe to us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.